Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sarah Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guests are Rebecca Giraud and Bob Grieg from Only Mums and Only Dads. Now, Only Mums and Only Dads support parents who are struggling to make the best decisions for their family during separation and divorce. Both Rebecca and Bob have helped many, many people through all types of separation and divorce. So I am super excited to welcome Rebecca and Bob to the show. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here. Thank you, Sarah. Good to be here. Well, I am very excited because your organisation, Only Mums and Only Dads, is something that provides such a valuable service. And I know that many of my listeners will get so much benefit from listening to you sharing your advice with us today. So first of all, tell me a little bit, Rebecca, about what Only Mums and Dads does. Okay, so we are um, a social enterprise and we support mums and dads very much and very keen to look at how mums and dads often can support each other, often in very difficult circumstances. And we offer a range of different services, if you like, uh, one by email where you can people write in with questions another where we do live chat. We also have uh, another service where you can come in and actually spend some time with us online and a range of people. Um, We also have a book which covers a whole range of frequently asked questions and we also have up-to-date information and articles on our website which is continually being um, updated and they are all questions that we get frequently asked. And they're all answered by professionals, yeah. Okay, well, I can't wait to find out what those questions were. But first of all, Bob, I know you started this in 2007, didn't it? That's when you set up Only Mums and Only Dads. Why did you decide to set it up? Like like many of your listeners, um, I'd been through a painful divorce and a number of Children Act proceedings in family court. At the end of that process, um, feeling low, looking online to see what support there was for dads, particularly dads being one, um, and I I couldn't find anything. I did find some sort of father's rights activists who had websites and campaigns, but none of that appealed or applied. Um, asking around, it it became apparent there just wasn't that much support for dads of a sort of real non-campaigning nature. So in a period when I was off work feeling solo, um, I decided to create a sort of forum for dads called It Only Dads, And what happened with that initial forum, the the Daily Mirror picked up on it and mentioned it in a 
in one line in a paragraph in their newspaper as a forum for dads. And um, the rest is sort of history. We were immediately, when I say we, that means me, um, inundated with questions from dads and more interestingly, mums. And it became apparent in those first few months that what I thought were issues only affecting men were in fact affecting mums and dads. And my, my overriding belief, and it continues to this day, is that parents are not supported during court cases and there's nothing really out there after the court case. And for many families, the troubles only really start when when all those court cases are finished and life has to begin again. Mm. So, yeah, that's the history of, of Only Dads. We, we had so many questions coming in from mums. To this day, over 50% of our questions come from mums. Um, and through a friend of a friend, I was introduced to Rebecca, who was returning back from a spell working abroad, um, looking for a project. And I met with Rebecca in Dartington, in my house, and said, you know, I'm not sure what we've got or what I've done here, but there's a bit of a project to be done. And are you interested? And Rebecca's reply was, yes. But one of the things we have to do from the outset is work with other organisations and individuals to sort of enhance the overall team. And um, that is something we've genuinely tried to do for the last 13, 14 years. Brilliant. And wow, one little mention in the Daily Mirror, hey, that's quite impressive. Yes, that's all it needed. And it shows what a need there there was at that time. But I'm interested, what were those questions? You said you were inundated with questions in the early days. What sort of questions were the most popular asked? Okay, the two that frequently get asked of only dads, we are one organisation. I I want your listeners to understand that. But we run two websites, one only dads, one only mums. So emails coming to only dads they by and large fall into one of two camps. There are questions from dads who aren't seeing their children and want to explore ways of resolving that as soon as possible. They're often a little bit complicated because the answers to that particular question are never straightforward. There may be reasons why they're not seeing their children. There may be an awkward ex. There may be existing court decisions that have been made preventing them from seeing children. So those need exploring, but that's a constant theme. And the other one, and it's like the other side of the coin, is from mums saying their ex isn't involved in the life of their child and they want them more involved and can I wave a magic wand to make their ex-partner interested in the children to which the answer is no I can't Mm -hmm. Um, 
But as with the, the contact questions, I sense there's often more behind the reason why their ex-partner isn't engaged with the children. And um, over the years, Sarah, um, like I was at the beginning myself, I have met many men who end this process with very low self-esteem, low confidence. Mm -hmm. And those issues, again, there is no magic wand, but one of the things I can say to the mum who's asking the question is, you know, find out why, why the ex is disengaged. Because by and large, most men, most dads want to have that healthy, ongoing relationship with their children. So that it may not be that they are, in inverted commas, feckless. There may be genuine, real reasons why they're finding it difficult. Yeah, so it could be a self-esteem issue, as you said, or low self-confidence, which means they feel like they're a bit of a failure. I've got a client at the moment, a male client, who he is still seeing his kids, actually, but his main issue is that he's failed at the marriage. He couldn't make it work, and he feels like yes. a huge failure. Um, yeah. And is very embarrassed about it and doesn't speak to anyone about it, even his friends. To be honest, they don't really talk about much, his friends. They talk about golf. <laughs> um, but well, it's, it's not about. something men talk about comfortably because we don't have the words. Yeah, what, one of the other things that's, that does come up with that, it's more than a, a lack of self-confidence. M many men, and to some extent it happened to me as well, when you do get divorced, you find out, apart from your old male friends, some of the newer friends you've built up during a relationship, it's not they side with mum, they sort of disappear. Mm. Mm. And I have found that, and talking to other men, you can find yourself quite isolated. If their wives are friendly, then actually sometimes that means that the men take a backseat, say, look, you know, they're friendly. They do a lot of stuff with the kids and they've got their coffee mornings and the other things that they do. So I'm going to take a step back. It's not worth the hassle. And sometimes it's very difficult. It does polarise friendships. Even, you know, people that really want to be there and support find it difficult because it puts pressure on their own relationship. Is that, is that what you found? It, it is. And I think there's other, sorry, I could go on on and on about this, but there's there's deeper societal problems as well. Even little things like baby changing facilities, you rarely find them in men's loos. That's mm -hmm. getting a bit better. Uh, school, primary school, mm. it's a very female heavy. Do I mean female heavy? female heavy environment most of the teachers are female most of the people the parents picking up the children are female you can feel again like um, a fish out of water at your mm. average primary school mm. again i'm pleased to say i think things are changing yeah. not a lot though yeah. it's still difficult I, I agree though it, it, it is 
difficult for men, single dads turning up with all the mums around. And, you know, it's obviously easier for the mums to sort of gossip together and chat together. And, and it would be very difficult, I can only imagine. I told um, Rebecca you know, this. I told Rebecca this story, Sarah. It's a true story. Um, I was hosting a, a. Your readers, may, your your listeners may not know, but um, I I brought up my two girls basically by myself for a number of years after the divorce and separation. The court order that gave me residence of the the two girls. I hosted a birthday party for my youngest daughter. She must have been seven or eight. And other children arrived at the house, like they do. And her mum brought her daughter along. And um, she was a little bit sort of unsure and, and asked if she could... Um, speak to my wife and I go it's just me here and Anya's dad all the other kids are in and um, there was a real hesitation because there wasn't a mum in the house about letting her child come to the party nothing further was said but in those moments that moment of hesitation had stuck with me in that story, sometimes silences can be so powerful. We've often had this conversation, sorry, this is sidetracking slightly, about how you communicate, for example, over handovers, when you're, ha you're passing your children around or from one family to the next, that actually not saying anything can be just as powerful as saying something. We've both talked about in our own experiences how sometimes when we haven't said anything, that is actually can be very loud. Mm. But, it's yeah. very true. And, I, you know, I think that it's it's not the norm, is it? So I suppose it's going to take people a while to adjust, although 2.4 kids is still not, that's not the norm anymore anyway. And I think, you know, I was the only single mum at nursery and I felt very awkward, even though I was a mum and most of the people dropping off were mums, everyone else was in couples. So come to the school plays or, you know, the get togethers or the, even the coffee mornings with the other mums, I was always the divorced one the one on her own, you know, the single mum. That's how it was known, the single mum. And it was difficult, you know, I, it was uncomfortable at times. And, you know, I learned to own it and enjoy it. And there's so many benefits of being a single parent. And, you know, people will come up to me and say, <laughs> I'll never forget this lady, Claire. She's a lovely, lovely lady. But she'd come up to me and she'd say, sorry, you know, me and my husband, yeah, we're on Saturday night, we were watching a movie together. And, you know, I said, oh, Sarah's going to be on her own. My husband said, oh, yes, and we just feel so sorry for you, Sarah. I mean, it must be so hard for you. And I, I, I was quite taken aback. I mean, I knew she meant it well. I mean, she's a lovely woman. But I was like, you know what, I'm okay. You know, I actually enjoy the time on my own. And believe me, it's better than being married to my ex. So I'm okay, you know, and I have friends. And my son's with me a lot of the time. So I'm okay, you know. She's like, yeah, it must be so hard. And it's interesting because she's the one that will come to me at the end of bike club and say, oh, sorry, could you, could you help me put the bike back in the car? Because my husband did it um, and I'm not sure how to get the bike back in. You know, and I'll go and I'm half the size. Just I'm sure She's not big, but she's tall. And I, don't, I just pick it up, twist it, shove it in. She's like, I don't know how you do it. It's amazing. 
<laughs> I suppose we learn a self-resilience, don't we? Do you find yeah. that, Bob? Have you have you learned to do things, you know, that you would never have done before, maybe? Yeah, I could do everything around the house with ease. <laughs> you can as well. I can vouch for that. Super dad. Yeah, I think, you know, it just it's, it's other people's attitudes that sometimes mm. can get us off track a little bit. And we start thinking, oh, OK, well, that's interesting. But I think now, you know, my son's 12 now. So, you know, 50 percent of the year have divorced parents now. So it's very, very different these days. Mm. Um, and they come to me for advice. You know, what do you do with this and how do you cope with that? But it was interesting, Bob, because you were saying that you don't think there's enough support you know, after the the family courts are over. Yeah, I mean, I guess they get legal support during that process. Mm. But the legal support is very much on maybe the finances and the, you know, the, the yes. arrangements. So what kind of support do you think is lacking? I think Rebecca used the word um, earlier on. Um, it's about communication. So... In my experience, and it's the experience of many families I've spoken to over the years, you finish your last court hearing and mum and dad will probably not be talking. And yet they have their children together and arrangements need to be sorted out whenever there's young children. And if you're not communicating or communicating badly, that can last years as well. I mean, that it just becomes really difficult. Mm. I think also, from my experience of being in court as well, is that at the end of a series of hearings, as Bob says, at that point where, okay, decisions have been made about your life, uh, and then you disappear off out, you have to then communicate all that. And there's nothing there. I do remember sat, sitting with a judge once, and we, we looked out the window at the end of a hearing, and he, he said, that dad, there's no, where's he going to go now? What's going to happen to him now? You know, there isn't anything. There's, and that's also when a, a whole load of negotiation begins again, doesn't it? As to, okay, this is what's been agreed. So now we have to make that work. So what happens then? Where do they go then? And we were t- talking just an hour ago, Rebecca, about um, the whole financial world of moving from a household where there's probably two incomes coming in or at least one and a half. Mm. And then all of a sudden having to manage all of that on your own mm. it may be easy for some, for many it isn't. Do you know, I had an email yesterday from a woman, and this I get quite a lot of these. She had just sort of written exactly what was in her head and her heart, and she said, I just don't know what to do. I feel completely overwhelmed. We've, the agreement's been made, and now he, my children are going to have every other weekend with their dad. I don't know how I'm going to cope financially. I don't know how to manage the bills. You know, it was just everything. And I really felt for her because she was completely lost in terms of where do I start? Where do I start to rebuild my life? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, 
unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Where do I start to rebuild my life? Really difficult. And I think there's I see a lot of that in my coaching clinic. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I got into being a coach, because when I went through it, you know, the lawyers are gung-ho on the legal side, but the emotional side, I mean, they strip it out of all the letters, all the emotion, and you've really got to manage that yourself. And that can be really challenging and debilitating, actually. So, I mean, that's why I created the program to get me through to start with that I now share with others, now train other coaches to do, because there is such a need for emotional support and practical support during that process. And like you said, where does that dad go and how does that mum manage all those things? Sometimes you do need a helping hand. There's a new kid on the block as well, which I've seen a rise of in the last two, three years. And that is, again, predominantly dads, but saying I've been through all the court process and I have my order to see the children every weekend, let's say, and I'm still not seeing the children. So parents breaking the court order, if not breaking, ignoring, I'm not sure what the right word is. And again, that leaves the parent, and it is usually a dad, completely up a gum tree because they've been through the whole process, got what they were looking for or got some kind of arrangement in place, and then that's just ignored. It's not infrequent for us to get questions on that on a daily basis, Mm. at least a few a week. There's no easy answer to that. If mum is just ignoring the court order, then they're going to have to go back to court. So I see that every day in my clinic. And I think it works both ways. You know, you know, they've got the order, but the dad doesn't show up or the mum doesn't make the kids available. You know, it, it mm. swings and roundabouts. But the thing is with the family courses, <laughs> once they've made an order, if someone chooses not to stick with it, then your only option is to go back to court again to get it enforced, which yes. can be very expensive, time consuming, not to mention the emotional stress and strain of the entire process and the challenge with the kids. So... I mean, I, I know, Rebecca, that you volunteer for support through court. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that means? Yeah, they're an amazing charity and, like many, sadly lacking in funding. And so some of the projects that sit within the family courts have had to shut down, I hope temporarily, because the service they provide, I think, is extraordinary. So we see people prior to a hearing and then post. So we're giving them that support And in my experience, which I don't know, just coincidental, I saw a lot of dads and for them, I remember I've talked to Bob a lot about this on a number of occasions. I've been the only person who had actually asked them how they were. So, you know, you you have a cup of tea with them, go through their paperwork and a number of occasions I just say to them, are you okay?" Floods of tears, complete stress, Mm. utter kind of, you know, complete outpouring of emotion and you know, I'd been the first person that had asked them that, or they'd held all this stuff in. And it, it was really hard. I mean, the, the mental health implications around those, you know, being in court, just some of it's really, really difficult, actually. 
But you can also see, in my experience, how many parents shouldn't be there. I mean, I had a number of parents where you'd be and they'd be arguing about Christmas Day and it's like you just want to bang their heads together and say, you know what? Yeah. You shouldn't be here. There was a lot of that. Really a yeah, lot of there that. is. I mean, I know that you guys do such good work and I'm really interested for you to explain to my listeners about the parents' promise because this is something I think is fantastic. So, Rebecca, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so the, the Parenting Alliance is a group of parenting organisations that have got together, um, which was set up by a dad, James Hayhurst, and, and ourselves. And there's an amazing range of, of groups in there, Asian Single Parent Network, Relate, Frollo, a whole host of them. And essentially, we're all looking at how we can make separation better. We're looking for a, a national conversation that addresses it is such a negative landscape on so many levels that what we're looking for is encouraging people to talk more positively about separation. And that is from the professional sector right down to the average Joe Broggs on the street. You know, how, how we support each other, extended families, grandparents, that we're more positive, more caring, more thoughtful. It's a big life-changing event. People are very quick to judge, encourage people to go down the court route. That was the kind of motivation behind it. And then the promise which is, it's a sort of gesture, really. The idea behind it is to encourage parents when they're in a state where they're, where they're sort of happy, you know, and they've just had their child, and to have a think about what they might do if they were to separate. And the idea being that if that ever did happen, and the statistics are quite high, that it might be better than, you know, if they'd actually remember that they talked about it and were very keen, you know, to focus on their children as opposed to battling about who's going to have who. Just to add to that, Rebecca, we did a bit of research, didn't we, with over a thousand parents, oh, just yeah. asking them if they've ever had the conversation about what separation might look like. And it was a tiny, a tiny number. It was overwhelmingly, they've never had that conversation. It is a hard conversation to have, isn't it? If you're, you know, blissed out in, in early days of your marriage and your child to say, you know, actually, can we have this rather difficult conversation? So, I mean, you know, the idea behind the promise, it was more of a, of a gesture, really, to try and encourage people to think about it. But the idea of the, alliance, of the alliance is to, we wanted to encourage that national conversation to get people talking about separation and divorce in a much more positive manner. And we actually we launched it on Channel 4 a few weeks ago now, I think it was, but um, had a fantastic response. And uh, we will be doing other things over the next 12 months. And growing the alliance. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's a great idea. I mean, to get people to think about these things whilst they're happy, I guess, is a challenge because yeah. you don't want to start talking about negative things. And I can imagine some of the reactions from the partners. Well, why are you thinking about leaving? Yeah. <laughs> why do you want to know this? But actually, you know, even if things are on the rocks and being able to have a conversation to say, look, if this doesn't work out, please, can we do things? you know put the kids first to make it as amicable as possible because what I see is even the most amicable of of parents going into a divorce that you know with everything that goes on when you're separating finances and lifestyles and like Bob said you're moving out of the house and you're separating everything that is going to increase tension and cause conflict with the most amicable conscious uncouplers yeah. So, you know, having some ground rules before you get into that process of just being kind and respectful and, you know, no matter what happens, being able to get it back on track so you can have a relationship afterwards 
that can last for the benefit of the kids, really, I think is is really important. That's spot on, Sarah. And one of the things we tend shivers down, you really, but one of the things we, we found out researching the background to this project, it's in the top three reasons for children contacting Childline year after year after year is that family break. It has a really negative... I think that's almost the thing that's been forgotten in all of this talk around mums and dads. And it is stating the obvious, but it needs repeating and repeating. It is the children who pay the price. Mm. I remember um, a guy came in who was late, who was one of the project uh, leaders, and he said he'd been standing at the bus stop and there was an advert for, a huge advert, encouraging parents to not forget to put sun cream on their children when it was hot. And he was thinking, gosh, imagine if we hit that advert said something like, don't argue in front of the children. It will damage their health, their mental health. How powerful that would be. So we, his point being that we put all this money and effort and into all these kinds of things, but actually the impact on children of separation and divorce is devastating. And then we're sort of almost in a, there's a, there's a national health crisis, I think, really, in terms of, of the impact it has on children. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be devastating. I don't think it is always devastating. And I, you know, I think it's interesting because at the moment we've got a suicide rate that goes up during teenage years, which is, I mean, shocking and didn't happen in our generation growing up. You know, it's something that's a something that's come about more recently as a way out. And I think children that don't ever experience any adversity, and there's quite a lot of scientific research out recently on this topic that children that suffer you know small amounts of adversity which could be a divorce I mean I'm not talking extreme poverty or abuse and and Mm. obviously that can happen in family units but I'm talking about just a little bit of discomfort where things aren't quite right actually build a strength and a resilience uh, to Mm. get them through tougher challenges so they know they can survive and they know they can go on and I'm a big believer that if parents take responsibility like you're saying for their behaviour during a breakup, then it can be a very valuable life lesson for children to take on board that sometimes the wheels fall off. You know, sometimes we don't get the fairy tale ending and we don't get the person in our life that we wanted forever. But actually, life goes on and you can be even happier. And actually, it builds a resilience so you can navigate other challenges like we've all been through in the last few years with COVID. You know, a lot of changes, a lot of being on our own and loneliness, which quite similar to breakup sort of symptoms in a lot of ways and just the isolation from the society and I think you know if you can build those muscles as a as a child actually it's going to mean that you're stronger and you won't sort of take the suicide routes or the self-harming routes you know if you've never experienced anything maybe that is the coping mechanism whereas you don't have any others which maybe parents can use this to teach their kids Mm. there are other ways to cope and, you know, five star jumps or putting on some happy music or, you know, just managing to dial down those negative emotions, however the mum or dad is doing it, is a really valuable gift to give to your kids. There's a lot of truth in that. And I remember because I was a single mum for a long time, that actually having, it was all awful. I and mean, we did it quite well. But as you said, quite rightly, Sarah, it's, it was still tough for us. I had to become like superwoman and really resilient and do everything. And now I'm really grateful looking back because I've learned so much, you know, about being capable, coping with things. And I hope that my daughter, who was in the middle of all that, has also inherited some of that because she watched me. 
she had to learn from it. And actually, there were loads of good skills in all that. There were lots of positive things that came out of that, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure Bob, your daughter's learning from you. You know, that's given them a lot of strength to know that they yeah, can... Yeah, I should have added, I never taught them to do plaths. I couldn't be bothered doing that. <laughs> well, I know there's YouTube videos of dads sorting out French plaths and things. Oh. That, wasn't, that wasn't quite me. <laughs> I can cook a well, casserole. Yeah, definitely. Great cook. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you guys. Tell me a little bit about your book that you've got. So the book, 101 Questions Answered About Separating the Children, it's just come out in its second edition, actually, which we're very proud of. A couple of years ago, actually, we were approached by uh, Bar Publishing, who came up with the idea, actually, because we have so many questions that come in, and a lot of them are the same. Not that, not, I'm not devaluing any of them, but they're similar issues. And so we decided to put them together into one publication. And it's a crowdsourced book in the sense that everyone contributed their time for nothing. So we have a whole range of incredible people contributing, lots of fantastic family lawyers, mediators, therapists. We have input from children, from parents. So we tried to make it as holistic as possible, looking at a whole range of the sort of key issues of from the point of uh, when you first separate, when you might need a solicitor, if you need a solicitor, the kinds of questions you might want to ask them if you do go, answers also to some of the key questions that parents ask. So if I open one up, here's one. I'm separated and need to prepare a new will, 10 things I need to think about. Just kind of really, lots of really useful practical stuff. So it's invaluable, if, especially if you're at the early stages actually, and kind of can't quite decide where to go. Can I change my CAFCAS officer? There are, there's all kinds of really valuable stuff in there. And can you get that on Amazon? You can get it on Amazon. You can buy it from our websites. And it's available as an ebook as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where people can find you guys. Um, they can find us on our, our websites, www.onlymums.org and www.onlydads.org. We have a Facebook page, Only Mum's Facebook page, an Instagram page, Bob's Twitter man. Big Twitter accounts. <laughs> and the Parents Promise is um, theparentspromise.org.uk or for Twitter users, at parents underscore promise. Well, thank you guys for sharing so much. That's been very, very useful. And also, you know, that book, if you can get a copy of that, I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people as well, getting all those really interesting and also difficult questions to find the answers to. Getting the answers would be, you know, brilliant. So that's a great, great resource for people going through a breakup right now. Um, just my last question for each of you before we go that I ask all my guests is, the podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, and I think it's really important to know what happiness is so that you can spot it along the way, even when times are tough. So, Rebecca, what is happiness for you? Good communication. For me, it is having learned and reflected on being through a separation and divorce and now being in a new relationship um, that I've been in for a long time. But communication for me, you know, when we're all communicating well and being heard, being listened to, that for me is happiness. Oh, that's lovely. And you, Bob? 
Such a good question, Sarah. I remember an occasion when I'd finished work early and picked the girls up from school and asked if they'd like to bring a mate each. And we went to a beach called Blackpool Sands down in Devon. And we popped into Morrison's and bought a disposable barbecue, 12 sausages, 12 bread rolls, and a <laughs> bottle of tomato sauce. And um, the sun shone that evening. And I was sat on the beach making a barbecue. And both my daughters had a friend each. And they were playing in and out of the sea. And um, I knew I was happy. Yeah, happiness. It's different for everyone, but I think it's important to know what it is. So thank you, guys. And thank you so much for sharing your insights. Uh, it's been great to have you both as guests. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Sarah. Brilliant questions, by the way. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to www.onlymums.org and onlydads.org to find out more about the amazing work that Bob and Rebecca are doing. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.